You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcast. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Kyle is at Rupp Arena still after witnessing Kentucky's big 80-72 win over Mississippi State. In a clear challenge to the big men of Kentucky, and my goodness, did E.J. Montgomery ever step up. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that was the best game of his career when you factor in everything. Defense, offense, aggressiveness, uh, hustle, all of it. And the competition. Uh, The competition is a big piece of it, yeah. Because uh, there were, what, at least 15 NBA scouts there to see, no doubt, Nick Richards, but uh, Reggie Perry for sure. Uh, maybe even, you know, some of those other guys on Mississippi State's roster. And then Robert Woodard. Ha- Robert Woodard and possibly E.J. Montgomery. Um, I mean, they probably didn't show up to see him, but what they saw from him, I'm sure they liked uh, as long as E.J. can keep going that way. But uh, once again, in Calipari's postgame, he credited... Conditioning. Conditioning. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, there was a fire in EJ that was much different uh, tonight. Did you get a chance to talk to him? I did. And, you know, he, he, we talked to, to Nick, to EJ and to Nate, and that was, you know, the theme of the night was toughness. It was going into the night and it was after the night. Uh, uh, Nate Sestina, by the way, he, uh, he injured during that game. At one point, he scored six straight points, made three straight shots when they were building their early lead, uh, and then he injured his right shoulder. And that surgery, that shoulder, he had dislocated it and tore basically everything in his sh- shoulder as a sophomore at Bucknell and had it surgically repaired. Oh. And he said it slipped tonight. He said because of the surgery he had, basically bolting it all back together, he said it can't really dislocate again. So nothing. They did all the tests, strength tests. Nothing was torn, uh, and it wasn't dislocated. Um, so he could go back in, and he did. He came back in, and the crazy thing is on that sh- shoulder, he blocked a shot right after he came back in at the rim, uh, got a huge offensive rebound, and continued uh, to play well and play hard for them. Um, so toughness was really a theme. And then with EJ, um, early on against Reggie Perry, he was the pri- He ended up being the primary defender on Reggie Perry. Yes. He, he got a bloody lip. Perry put his shoulder into EJ's face, mm-hmm. uh, and EJ's got a mouthful of blood. Um, and still he, I mean, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about a lot of things about EJ Montgomery he had 12 points, eight rebounds, three steals and a block defense. He defended Reggie Perry so well, Perry ends up with 14 and eight and you go, well, he played pretty well. He was four of 16 from the field with four turnovers. And that was almost exclusively because of EJ Montgomery. Um, and EJ, he fouled out and he fouled out. And that was a lot about Nick Richards, but, um, you know, EJ, it, it, it's incredible that Nick Richards had 27-11 and scored 25 points in the second half, and we yeah. are rightly starting this episode talking about EJ Montgomery. I mean, Nick Richards scored 25 points in a half. I know. Uh, and we're talking about EJ Montgomery because the uh, it's crazy for a couple reasons. One, it tells you how well EJ played, and two, it tells you how not totally normal, but this was an overall – uh, the kind of night Nick Richards has had more often than not this season. It was his fifth 20-10 and 10 game of the season. 
Um, and for EJ, this was a this was kind of the breakthrough. I thought that was a in the post game interviews more than anything EJ said. Nick said, "I think EJ is breaking through right now, and I see in him the things I saw in myself as I was breaking out." Wow. Um, and so, you know, and then everybody we talked to agreed if they can get this out of EJ Montgomery, and certainly if they get a combined thirty nine and nineteen. Yeah. out of EJ and Nick, nobody's beating them. I mean, there are very few teams in the country that are going to beat Kentucky on a night when Nick and EJ go for 39 and 19. Uh, it was just a, it was a very impressive performance. EJ was energetic. He was aggressive early, and I, thought, I think it started offensively. I think Calipari recognized uh, that this guy, this guy gets going based on his offense, so let's put it in his hands and let him go. You know, he took the first two jumpers of the game, I think. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and they didn't go, but then he started making. He's driving and making, you know, runners. He's making hook shots over guys in the lane. Uh, he was on the offensive end. He was matched up against Adu, who's one of the better shot blockers uh, right. in the league and a big, strong, you know, junior senior guy. Uh, he scored over him with with not a whole lot of problem. Um, just across the board, I just I thought he was super impressive. He had a couple early on, a couple of really tough sort of out of area contested, got to contort your body, offensive rebounds, and he helped set that rebound tone. Almost Most of the game, they won the rebounding battle. They ended up losing it by three, 40 to 37. But if you if you take the best rebounding team in the league, one of the best, maybe the best rebounding team and, and certainly the best offensive rebounding team in America to this point, and you battle them basically to a draw, and knowing that all else being equal, you're more talented than them, you're going to win the game. And that's what they did. They, won- they controlled that game from the opening tip to the end. They never trailed. They led for 38 minutes and 20 seconds. I'm sorry, 38 minutes 43 and 43 seconds. seconds. They yeah. led for all but a minute 17 of this game. Um, and, and it really did. It started with EJ. That was, that was a huge individual moment, I think, in this season. And you could tell by Cal Perry's attitude after that he knew it. And it must have been, yeah, I mean, it must have been a mindset or, or something where uh, it was about EJ Tate getting involved offensively early because he was aggressive with the ball. And even though he didn't make those early shots, I mean, I was saying to myself, wow, okay, EJ's different already. I see a difference Assertive, in EJ. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you take away what he did. Take away his eight rebounds. And Kentucky gets out-rebounded 40 to 39 or 29. Right. You take away his two offensive rebounds, and Kentucky gets out rebounded on the offensive glass, seventeen to seven. Take away, um, you know, his twelve points, and UK loses that game unless you know someone else steps up. But you take away what he did, and um, and Kentucky's in trouble. Yeah. I mean, they really are. They're going to have to get it. Keon's going to have to do it, um, or you know, more from Sestina. But as it was, you know, Keon played just under five minutes, and Juzang played just over five minutes. It was essentially, you know, Nick, EJ, Ashton, Tyrese, Emmanuel, and Nate. And, yeah. Uh, had I, Sestina not did what he did, uh, maybe Keon gets more of those minutes as well. Yeah, I think I, I would come back and tip the cap to Nate. You know, I don't think we'll end up talking a ton about him here because of, of what Nick did and some other guys did. Emmanuel, quickly, we need to get to him. Scored 21, um, drew nine fouls. Uh, Nick drew nine right. fouls as well. Um, but Nate, 
he played. He's been on such a uh, in such a funk, and he came off such a bad game. Probably his worst game of the season, minus twenty one in like eighteen minutes at Auburn. He played just shy of fifteen minutes today, and he was plus eleven. Yeah, I mean, he really gave him a lot. He he, play, he played hard. He fought that stretch where he hit, you know, just bucket, 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 two inside, which were big because he's not known as a big inside scorer. Uh, and they ran some good plays to get him buckets, and then a, a little little mid range jumper. Those were all big. I mean, six points and three rebounds, one block and one uh, assist doesn't feel like a huge thing, but he gave them some real quality and gave them a chance to rest Richards and rest EJ. I thought it was interesting tonight. They did a little bit of a rotation where Nick and EJ played a lot together, but there were some good chunks of time where Nick sat and EJ played, or EJ sat and Nick played. Um, and I think that's good to give those guys a break, and then they ha- then you have those right. those critical moments where they're in there together. Um, so a little tip of the cap to Nate Sestina, whose mom, by the way, uh, the sweetest lady on earth, um, made me breakfast when I went to uh, Emporium, PA, to uh, write a story <laughs> about him. Uh, she had hip replacement surgery today. His his mm. dad texted me during the game when he hurt his shoulder and came back in that he gets his toughness from his mom. His mom was in so much pain. Before she had this surgery, for the last few weeks, she's been crawling up the stairs to bed every night. Oh, um, my God. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, if, you, if folks don't really – I don't know how much people realize, at the end of the 2014 season, John Calipari could barely walk. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he was a mess. He was in horrible pain. He was having to eat painkillers. He acted a little loopy at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and he got his hip replaced after that season. It's, it's rough when you got a bad hip. And uh, So, anyway – Shout out to Nate and to his mom, and she's recovering nicely. And he he wanted to make clear. I tweeted it out. He said, "My mom, my parents are freaking out. My mom's already texted me. To, you know, don't do this to me. I'm in the hospital. You know, don't scare me." And he said, "I just want my mom." <laughs> she he said, "I just want my mom to know I'm okay." So he's fine. He says yeah. he says nothing to worry about moving forward with his shoulder. And Nate was able to defend. Uh, t- in this game because he wasn't having to defend guards. He was able to defend big guys. Traditional big guys, yeah. Yeah, guys that are his size. So Just lean right, on we, need, we need to get to, to a break, and when we come back, we'll definitely talk more about uh, Emmanuel Quickly and Nick Richards and more on this game when the Lockdown Kentucky Podcast continues. You are Locked On Kentucky. Your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Okay, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast, and Kyle Tucker is still at Rupp Arena um, after Kentucky's win over Mississippi State. And in the first half, Nick Richards was one of four. He did not go to the free throw line. No attempts there. Two points, five rebounds in the first half. That's that. That was his first half. So, and he was not. It wasn't because of Reggie Perry. It was maybe more to do with Abdul Adu and who yeah. he was. That's who was uh, guarding Richards, and that's who Richards was guarding on the other end. Uh, second half, six of six from the floor, six rebounds, thirteen of fifteen from the free throw line. He drew seven fouls in the second half and scored twenty five points. He's a seven footer shooting almost seventy five percent from the free throw line. By the way, yeah, I mean to make thirteen out of fifteen in Kentucky, uh, Emmanuel quickly tied a uh, school record most free throws attempted without a miss fourteen of fourteen. Um, over the last two twenty of the game, when you know Mississippi State made him sweat just a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. Kentucky hit sixteen of sixteen free throws over the last two twenty. Um, but yeah, Nick Richards. 
you know, he said he could tell at halftime people were pissed off at him because he only had two points. And I said, <laughs> who? And he said, basically everybody, everybody in the locker room. And he was mad at himself. You know, this was going to be, this game was to be the referendum on toughness, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Nick's coming off this, you know, one of his worst games of the year and it was costly and they lose the game to Auburn as he gets pushed around. And, you know, my whole story today and, you know, almost the entirety of the Kenny Payne press conference yesterday, uh, the day before Monday, um, was about Nick and not letting him, you know, off the hook. And, uh, you know, if he doesn't play well, we lose. And he's got two points at halftime. Um, but, boy, did he answer the bell. Uh, for the second yeah. straight home game, by the way, he had 15-10 and 10 in the second half against Vandy after doing nothing uh, last week and then goes for 25 points and six rebounds in the second half alone. Um, again, it was his uh, – his fifth 20-10 and 10 game, which is remarkable to me. His 10th right. tenth, tenth double-double in 21 games, uh, 22 games. He had one double-double in 74 games his first two seasons. Um, and when you talk about all the, the pro scouts in the building, boy, did they, they get the full uh, Nick Richards treatment in the second half. I mean, he made hook shots. He made uh, a baseline jumper. He made an elbow jumper, a couple of those. Um, and then he made every critical free throw as a seven-footer to stand up there and make 13 of 15 free throws. I mean, the kid's getting drafted. Uh, yeah. it's, is he in the first round? I don't know, but he's getting drafted. And also, after maybe taking himself out or felt like maybe taking himself out of the SEC Player of the Year race, he's now, to me, number one back to number one on the list because yeah. Reggie Perry was the guy. And Reggie Perry got thoroughly outplayed tonight by Nick Richards and really E.J. Montgomery. It was nice to see that Nick Richards finally got one of those those hook shots to go because that shot had been flat for him. Like in the Auburn game, it feels like he missed two or three of those. And then he missed a couple in this game where they're just – they don't have enough push on him. Like he airballed one of them. Yeah. They just don't have enough arc on him. And then he gets the one in the paint – where he, as soon as he catches it, he immediately pops up yep. and goes. And it, it was just a rhythm and a flow to it. And to see that one go in, maybe that's a sign of things to come with that hook shot because that, that thing looks good. But when you see him shoot those uh, you know, 17-footers, those 16-footers, uh, he's almost automatic on those, which is uh, remarkable for a guy his size and which is why NBA scouts will go, yeah, yeah, I, this isn't a guy that's just a, a – you know, pounded in the post guy, he can step out and hit that mid-range shot for us, little pick-and-pop guy. Um, So now, on to Emmanuel Quickly. You mentioned the 14 of 14 at the free throw line, uh, tying a school record. Uh, Just three of 11 from the field, one of six from three, but uh, he does that at the free throw line, winds up with 21 points, and drawing the nine fouls. Like, Probably three of those were late, I would say, when, when Miss State was trying to you know, play that game of keeping them, extend the game a little bit. Uh, but otherwise, it was, it was because he was getting in there and making things happen. Yeah, yeah. You, you're about Nick or, or Emmanuel? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Yeah, I mean, play, and the other thing that stands out to me, he played 38 minutes again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's their indispensable guy. On a night when he was 3 of 11 for the field and made only one of his six three-pointers. And Calipari was complaining a little bit. I actually think it's a good thing. He's gotten so confident almost to the edge of cocky with his uh, offensive ability that he's, like, taking these step-back threes. And, uh, you know, he made his first one. And uh, it was the only one they made, one for 10 tonight, Kentucky, from three, and one comfortably. Um, 
Calipari complained a little bit about that, but on a night where he could barely make a shot from the field, he scores 21 points. Um, he's been on, I think he's scored 20-plus like in four of the last five games or something like that. Um, yeah. I just I think it's really interesting that quickly, whether it's lighting it up from three or driving and hitting the floater or just getting fouled and hitting all his free throws, he, he's figured out how to score in just about every game for these last 10 or 11 games. Uh, and that's, I think that's big for Kentucky to have that other score. And, and, you know, tonight Tyrese Maxey barely scored at all. Uh, and it was no big deal. So right. I, I just, I, you know, this was not a perfect game from Kentucky by any stretch. There are a lot of areas you could say it could be better. And they, they, you know, the, the rebounding battle really swung back Mississippi state's way in the second half. There's a lot of little things you can nitpick, but I think across the board sort of overall, overarching uh, impression of this game, it felt like an important, a very important game because a bunch of guys did something to help. And not, a, you know, not everybody was great, but, you know, Hagen's two for seven from the field, only scored six points, but he had six, turno- uh, six assists, only two turnovers. He had officially two steals, but he was so active. He had so many deflections. He, at one point, they had a... a missed free throw, and he tipped the ball off of the Mississippi State player and out of bounds and forced a turnover. Um, you know, he, you know, he was just agitating the, the living hell out of uh, Mississippi State. And, you know, Tyrese Maxey, eight points, but he had five assists. He had a couple big steals. Um, I, I, this one felt really big as a team win. Maybe the, maybe the most rewarding team-wide win that they've had maybe all season, but certainly in a while. Well, the other thing about um, Ashton Hagen's play was, uh, you know, it's a ton of it's not going to show up in the box score, just the, the two steals. But Nick Witherspoon, uh, Mississippi State's point guard, he goes 2 of 11. Um, he has uh, a couple turnovers, just nine points. He's a minus 11 when he's on the floor. Uh, he was clearly frustrated by uh, what Kentucky's defense was doing, whether it was Hagens or Tyrese Maxey. I mean, you know, DJ Stewart and Robert Woodard um, both were pretty decent, but you know, otherwise the the rest of the guys were held in check. Like Perry didn't expect a lot out of a do, but we already talked about what they did against Perry. But Nick Weatherspoon, I mean, he's a big part of what they do, and um, I think it was clear that the defense of Hagens and Maxey um, bothered him. Yeah, I mean, it was sort of – it felt like a little bit of a pick-your-poison night for Kentucky, and they were going to let Stewart and Woodard, you know, get their get their shots off. They they were each 6 of 10 and each scored 15 points, and that was fine because where, where you could get beat um, was inside, and they didn't allow that to happen. Um, the Weatherspoon, you know, holding Weatherspoon to 2 of 11 was, a, you know, and 2 assists. Five, that, that's a right. stat I hadn't even looked at. Mississippi State had five assists for the game. Yeah, right. And ten turnovers. Um, that is a huge one. You know, that yeah. that, that means you've really disrupted their offense. Um, and, well, and Kentucky sort of had, yeah, seven steals in the game. Re- reduced them to uh, kind of one-on-one hero ball. Uh, and and you certainly want to get into that if you're Kentucky because you, you're more talented at just about every position. If you can force them to play a one-on-one, then that's, that's a win for you. So, um, like I said, I, I just think 
it's kind of strange to say it, but I think given what they were just coming out of and, and the vibe coming out of Auburn, the Auburn loss, given the, the reputation of, of this Mississippi State team, that they had a couple pros, that they were going to bully you, they were going to crash the glass, um, this just felt as a team-wide thing like, you know, this is going to be a test, and they pretty much everybody on the floor passed it. Keon Brooks didn't – he got two quick fouls, and Kyle just said, okay, EJ's playing well, Nick's playing well, Nate's playing well enough. We don't need you tonight. He only played five minutes. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, I, I thought that they got to be really, really happy. All right, before we go to break, uh, just to remind you, Kyle Tucker is at Rupp Arena. That's why you hear uh, machinery and chairs and different things happening in the background. And I am at my house, which is why you hear a, a dog barking sometimes in the background. So <laughs> that's the extraneous stuff going on around us as we try to finish up this podcast late uh, as uh, Kentucky beats Mississippi State 80-72. to And more to talk about on this game and looking ahead when we return on the Locked on Kentucky podcast. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked on Kentucky is a great way for your local business to reach passionate UK fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with UK fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com forward slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com forward slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Okay, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. And uh, as, uh, that, as we went into that last break, you may have heard me uh, give the uh, ad promo there for uh, local advertising on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. Just to give you a little, um, you know, numbers or whatever, let you know what you would be uh, investing in is uh, our podcast on the Locked On uh, network. As far as basketball podcasts go, we are only we're the number one college podcast going right now uh, on the Locked On Network. And as far as in America, basketball podcasts, we're talking all basketball, NBA, everything, college basketball, all, we're number 32 in the country. Uh, last I checked, which is just a couple days ago. So we reach a lot of people. I think we had, oh... It was well over 50,000 or more downloads last month. It might be even more than that. It might be like more like 70,000 or something. But just to let you know, if you put, if you put your, your business on here, people are going to hear it because people listen to this podcast. We're, the, this podcast does very well. Just, just so you know. So uh, one more just time. Just saying. Just saying, guys. Yeah. If you text the word advertising to 33777, then we can hook you up and you can be in those those positions. Those other ads that you hear, that could be you instead of them reaching Kentucky fans. So to continue with the win over Mississippi State, you look at the first half numbers. Kentucky, 22 to 10 points in the paint. Fast break, 11 to 4 Kentucky. 
rebounds, 21-18 Kentucky. Offensive rebounds, 7-6 Kentucky. And Kentucky led 31-23 at the half. The second half, UK was out-rebounded 22-16. Offensive rebounds, Mississippi State had 11 to UK's 2. Or, or I'm sorry, um, well, UK had 11, or I mean, Mississippi State had 11 offensive rebounds in the second half, leading to 17 second-chance points to UK's 2. Uh, but the difference there was Kentucky 14-4, to outscoring Mississippi State on fast break points. And then at the free throw line, of course, 29-33 of in the second half. But that those fast break points, I think that was part of this as well. Uh, I think it was part of your first question, really. When you look at um, overall, I mean, Kentucky's outscored 22-4 to in the game in second chance points. Uh, Kentucky just barely outscores Miss State in the paint, 38-34. But those fast break points, 25-8 to Kentucky. And uh, that seemed like it was part of the plan because if you get your guys out and running, then that that helps um, on the offensive glass a little bit. Yeah, well, on the defensive glass because they, yeah, the you know, glass. once you once you've established, and that was that was clearly part of the plan. Once you've established that you're going to grab a defensive rebound and run and fly down the floor, they've got to counter that by not, you know, they can't send everybody the offensive glass. They've got to get back, or else you're, they're just going to be giving up layups. Right. You know, and when you're a guard-heavy team like that, when you've got, and that was that was obvious, like right out of the gate. When you've got Maxie Hagens, and, and, and this is something and Calipari said when I asked him about it, he said, that's how we want to play. Because when you've got Hagens, Maxie, and Quickly, now they're not all true point guards. You don't want them all playing the, the true point guard position for reasons we've stated in the past. But they can't all get it and go. Uh, and so when you've got that um, and you start flying up the floor, the other team can't just send everybody to the glass or they're going to give up a bazillion fast break points. And Kentucky got some early, and then Mississippi State had to adjust. And then, you know, as a result, Kentucky didn't, you know, would you say they had how many offensive rebounds in the second half? Uh, Mississippi State had 11 in the second half. So they half. only had six. They only had six in the first half. And, they, you know, deep into the first half, they only had two or three. Um, and so that it really showed itself in that first half. I mean, it all kind of – uh, settled in and, and came back down a little bit as, as Kentucky uh, stopped playing quite as fast in the second half. But um, I thought that was a, a very smart uh, game plan. And, and it was interesting, too, later in the, in the uh, press conference, Calipari said we had, you know, we had one plan in the week, and, we, and, and uh, it was, this was more about how they were going to stop Reggie Perry. But my uh, assistants talked me out of it, and we we came up with a different plan. So they had clearly – I think the staff, one of the reasons Cal seemed like he was in such a good mood and joking around and saying a bunch of ridiculous stuff to uh, those of us in the media audience was because he felt so good after the win because they knew going into it that this was an important game. And, you know, you don't hear – I'm not saying they don't game plan, but you don't hear them talk about their game plan and just sort of the tactical approach – games a lot of times Cal say it's not about them it's about us right uh, but tonight it was about them it was like you know it was about Kentucky but it was also about this is an opponent who could hit us where we where we could be hurt uh, and they didn't let that happen so uh, good coaching good execution I mean none of that plan works if your guys don't do it uh, if Nick and EJ aren't tough enough uh, if the guards don't grab it and fly and, and make them pay for uh, crashing that offensive glass 
um, all of that was really, really important. Um, and then something else that happened tonight that we probably should have mentioned even sooner than now, because I think it's a pretty big deal, is for the first time of the season, Calipari said, I might play Dante Allen, mm-hmm. uh, who yeah. is the 6'6", really good shooter and scorer from in the state, who uh, tore his ACL like 13 or 14 games into his senior season last year. Uh, and still won Mr. Basketball, a little bit controversial, but he was averaging 40-some points a game at that point. Yeah. Um, you know, he can really score it. He can really and shoot it. And then he it. got into a car wreck, too, over the summer. Broke though, his so collarbone. Same, yeah. I don't think that has impacted anything, really, as we've gotten into things here. It's more about the knee. Uh, he still wears a brace. And, you know, he can't, He started practicing a couple months ago, and Calipari would say he'd practice a day, and it would swell, and he'd sit out two or three days. But apparently – Calipari said he came in for a workout recently and kind of wowed him. And he said, you know, this is who you are. Um, and so, you know, he said, I'm not going to play him if I don't think I'm really going to play him because I don't want to do that to the kid. I don't want to burn his redshirt year this late in the season. I mean, they're 22 games in. If they go all the way to the SEC title game and then the national championship game, that's 40 games. So at most, if he started playing the very next game, he'd have 18 games. And you don't you don't want to waste him if you're going to play him five minutes a game. Yeah. But Cal said we're down. I don't even know what this exactly means. But he said we're down to two, and the rent is due. Yeah, I don't know what that <laughs> uh, means either. Like, like I don't know if it means like uh, two bucks, or you know, you're down to the last couple of days before the paycheck comes and the rent's due. I guess I, but I don't know. Point being, they're kind of in crunch time. They're kind of you know their roster's thin now that Khalil Whitney has left. Uh, you know, they could maybe use him and. You know, any team can use a guy who can fill it up, and we know that Dante Allen offensively can fill it up. So uh, if he's working his way into shape, that's that's a super interesting thing that Calipari threw out there, I think, without being questioned about Dante Allen. I think he just brought it up. Um, I think he was maybe on another rant about conditioning because he was saying that you know Dante would have to – they were going to start to do some conditioning stuff with him to, to get him ready if he, if he plays. But that's a, I think that's a newsworthy item for sure. Well, me personally, seeing him in high school play, and it's different, obviously, at the college level, but Dante Allen was really good at getting to the basket and and scoring through contact and drawing fouls. Uh, of course, the guys he'll go up against and get contact from in college uh, are bigger, so uh, you don't know if that affects him, and he, he, he has to learn to play through contact at that level. But he had it down in high school, I can tell you that. He's a guy uh, that would... That would definitely, I think he would give them something different than Johnny Juzang does, you know, as far as someone who can get to the rim. He's a bigger body as well. So we'll see how that that works out. But um, uh, just a quick update on the SEC from Tuesday night. Auburn went to Arkansas, and those guys battled back and forth, back and forth. Auburn won it in overtime. After uh, being down by 12. Yeah. Second, second furious road comeback in a week. 79-76, Auburn wins at Arkansas. And then Tennessee was down most of the game against Alabama and came back and won at Alabama 69-68. And that's, of course, Kentucky goes to Knoxville on Saturday, and that's another team that rebounds it really well and is physical. And then Texas A&M destroyed Missouri in College Station. There was nobody there for that game. I mean, that, that place was empty. So LSU still sits up there atop the standings at 8-0. Kentucky and Auburn now tied at 7-2 each. Then Florida, 
South Carolina five and three apiece, and then Miss State, Tennessee, and Texas A and M all at five and four each. And now Arkansas and Alabama are both down there at four and five. Uh, and Alabama's now twelve and ten. I mean, I don't know if they're going to make the tournament the way they've been going here lately. So we'll see. And then Wednesday night, uh, Georgia's at Florida, South Carolina's at Ole Miss, LSU's at Vandy. And that uh, that wraps it up there for the SEC. The other before we go, the other reason this was a big one because it was a challenge and a real threat is that now they have a great chance. You know, they got Tennessee, Vandy, both on the road, not terribly impressive, uh, and then Ole Miss at home. They've got a chance to get to, you know, they got a chance to. Sorry, I dropped my mic there. <laughs> you got a chance, <laughs> chance to get to twenty and five overall, ten and two in the league, uh, going to uh, LSU. Having yeah. won, you know, four in a row with some momentum, and you know, a chance to make a move to to the, you know, to win the league. LSU. I'm trying to see what LSU's got. LSU's got. They got Auburn. At, they got to play at Auburn and at Alabama before the before Kentucky comes to town. So if if they if they lose either of those games, then Kentucky's playing for first place. If they you know if they take care of business in these next three, um, so tonight was big because it could set the table for them to be. Going to Baton Rouge with you know first place in the in the league on the line. Yeah, I think that game uh, for LSU uh, is coming up uh, Saturday. Yeah, Saturday at noon on ESPN. LSU at Auburn. Auburn obviously hot right now, uh, so you could see Auburn get a win over LSU, and then Kentucky come in there and be in position to tie possibly for the lead in the Southeastern Conference when that game rolls around. So. Yeah, and then they get they get the return from Auburn at Rupp Arena, you know, a mm-hmm. week and a half later. Uh, so they've got, you know, they, they, they can still very much win the SEC. And I think for this team, a pretty flawed team, that would be a, a, a remarkable achievement. Well, if E.J. Montgomery keeps playing the way he did against Miss State, uh, well, we know what can happen. All right, that's going to do it for uh, this edition of the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R, and Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. All right, thanks, Kyle. Thank you all to listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. You are Locked On Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.